0: Happy Monday, Liberty Kitty Cats. And guess what? You could have seen today's interview. You could have watched it live. You could have already listened to it. If only you were a supporter of ours on Patreon or now featuring another alternative on locals you can go over over to lions of or to join the pride over at patreon.com lions of Liberty either way you'll get exclusive access to all sorts of uh, live shows including our paywalled shows like degenerate gamblers conspiracy corner uh, bonus segments with guests live editions of me- most if not all of my interviews and so much more again you can find that over at patreon.com slash lions of Liberty or lions of Liberty. With not just a philosophical tool, but the inspiration to break free from the system. Welcome to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly dose of education, inspiration, and real-world application from the top minds of the Liberty Movement. If you want liberty, we need to be better leaders, better husbands, better fathers, better friends, better businessmen. guide your shining beacon of liberty mark clare and liberty. all right kitty cats i am live here at least live for our patrons on patreon and local with a very special guest he's very special because he is actually the very first guest to ever appear on this program returning for the very first well, very first <laughs> returning for the third time actually mm-hmm. uh i'm pleased to welcome back stefan Kinsella. Stephan, stefan are you ready to roar
1: i'm ready to roar roar all
0: right. Fantastic.
1: Or bark. I'm a, pood- I'm a poodle guy, so how about woof?
0: I do remember that. I remember the poodle thing from last time. It's all coming back to me now.
1: Yeah, they're in here right now. Let's hope they don't bark.
0: You uh, might get shit from some people online for being a poodle guy. Not from me. I'm just saying. That's okay. That, that hey, be- I have a wife, you know? Yeah, exactly. I please my wife. <laughs> that's, that's the only one you got to please, really, when it comes down to it. you don't know, Please, please everyone wife. on Twitter or anything happy like that. Happy wife, happy life. Exactly. A
1: happy libertarian is impossible, so yeah.
0: So, Stefan, I just want to start by kind of, uh, I haven't really spoken to you too much since all this COVID stuff started. So I know it's been a while, but, uh, I just kind of maybe want to go back maybe 18, 20 months with you and just kind of get kind of transport yourself back into the mind of Stefan Kinsella, you know, February, March 2020 and when all this kind of COVID stuff started happening, lockdown started coming in. I'm just curious what your mindset was, whether that's, you wanted.
1: Yeah, that's. Uh, that's interesting. And, you know, nowadays everything you say is dangerous because you're going to piss off someone, but I don't really care at this point. Uh, that's why that's <laughs> I'll why tell you here. what my thought was. <laughs> and I could be wrong in re- reconstructing what I thought, but I'm pretty sure. And I have some people that can vouch for this. So my initial view, <laughs> like, and I'm vaccinated, by the way. So uh, I guess I'm, I'm like, I'm a turncoat. You but
0: doubted yourself.
1: <laughs> I doubted myself because I don't give a crap what anyone thinks. Um, Cause I've taken a Jason Stapleson's lesson in, you know, wealth, power and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, <laughs> all these, I'm trying to categorize all you people. I can't keep you guys straight. you the reactionaries, the anti political, <laughs> the political, the post libertarians, whatever. I was just talking to, uh, what's his name? Pete, Pete Q this morning and trying mm-hmm. to say, do you have a map to lay out the different types <laughs> of people that are now? And he's like, no, I'm someone like, should make like helpful?
0: a big, a big diagram, a big flow chart.
1: I know. I know. And I, I guarantee there's some autistic, a uh, prioristic libertarianism. Someone's already got right it now. on their
0: wall as we speak, actually.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah, probably. So, my my initial take was I, I'm always a, a skeptic of anyone who claims to know more than they know. And I'm, so that means I'm always a skeptic of government authority and bullshit. Um, but I'm also a skeptic of libertarians who claim to know more than they know. Like I appreciate their skepticism, but when they, they go too far and they go into conspiracy la la land, uh, you know, like Jeff Tucker was telling me, Oh, it's just a cold. I'm like, I don't I don't know. But my view is like, I don't I think it might be, you know, some variation of the flu or whatever the hell, but my thought was we can't stop it. It's natural and it thins the herd. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to be Malthusian, right, or a eugenicist, but this is what happens to the human race and any other species over time is there are waves of problems they deal with, and the strong survive, and the genes get better, and I, I just didn't see any way to, to to stop it. So I just thought, okay, there may be a pandemic coming, and it's not going to be good, and we should just prepare for it and maybe isolate the, the ultra-sick the best we can, and then eventually the human race will adapt to it and survive and get stronger. I mean and we will suffer some losses but there's nothing we can do about it and if there's anything we can do the cost will be way more than the the disease you know and which has turned out to be true right i mean the, the lockdowns have hurt humanity way more than the pandemic has i believe because the pandemic would have happened anyway right so um that was my view and then you know some of the libertarians started becoming anti-lockdown and all this stuff and 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 i i was on board with it I guess I hoped and thought it might last for two or three or four months. Uh, of course, it lasted longer. I do not believe this 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 will last forever. I know it's horrible. It's it's hurt a lot of people. Um, I'm totally opposed to every lockdown, every mask measure, even voluntary. Although people can do what they want voluntarily. So voluntary, just
0: and, mean uh, opinion-wise in terms of, of masks? No, I mean, I mean
1: like if if a business wants to require you to wear a mask, that's their right. But I oppose even that, not as a libertarian, but just as a sure. person who thinks it's stupid.
0: There can be like, your libertarian think- side that thinks it's their right to do that, and your Stefan Kitella side that thinks that's just stupid.
1: I think we never should n- – we should never have had any mask uh, practice at all. I think we should never have had – social distancing at all. I think um there should be no exhortation to get the vaccine at all. Although I actually think the vaccine probably is helpful in terms of slightly reducing your chance of dying from it. Okay, like that's that's what it did. And it was kind of an incredible medical thing they did, I don't know. But that's kind of my take on it. So I think we should just we should have let it wash. It. Now, I'm a total I admit that I'm a total scientific um uh, um, ignor- ignoramus on this. So I'm just telling you my opinion. My opinion is we should have done nothing because even if something could have been done, the government's going to make it ten times worse is what you, is what, you, what they did. So that's my take on it. So my, my take on, on it is COVID is real probably. Um, it's, it's a problem, but it's just another cyclical uh, disease that hits the human race from time to time, and it happens, and people die, and then the human race gets stronger, and they move on to the next thing. I don't know. The, I don't know what else to say. I mean, does that answer your question about my take on my take yeah, on COVID? Yeah, no,
0: There's no right or wrong. No,
1: there is right or wrong. Is the, the the lockdowns and the mandates are all wrong. Every mandate well, yeah, is wrong. I mean yeah. the the mandate to have a mask is wrong. The mandate to have a vaccine is wrong. The mandate to socially distance is wrong. The lockdowns are wrong. They're all wrong, and they're probably all at least in the U.S., unconstitutional or whatever. But of course, you can see what good the Constitution does. It didn't stop, it did it.
0: So I'm curious, were you surprised at all? I mean, obviously it was a lot different for you being in texas where i was spending much of that early time in uh, los angeles california so like my life was severely affected by it um and and maybe it wasn't quite as extreme there in texas but i'm just curious like did it surprise you at all just sort of seeing how much mass acceptance maybe not as much where you are but uh, of just lockdown no not at all
1: i guess i'm to the point i'm 56 years old now and i'm uh, nothing surprises me anymore no nothing surprised me um I went with the flow. I watched it. I observed it with bemused detachment. Um, I was one of these annoying assholes who, like, I, I enjoyed the, the lockdown because, <laughs> you know, it didn't affect me very much. And we had like a sure. year of with my son in his last year at home before he goes to college, and my wife got to work from home, and we handled it well because we live in a you know nice rich Republican neighborhood and yeah, whatever. And for and somehow out of all this craziness. Um, Starting what's what is it now October? So about, about about uh eleven ten months ago, you know, early twenty 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 one, say February, I started traveling. So this year, strangely, like over the years, oh God, we're on a tangent now.
0: Oh, this, I've had this these, whole show is tangents. It's all good. Okay, we should call it tangents. Tangents of liberty.
1: I'll I'll do these. Um, oh, I just I just sent my friends is the. Every now and then when I do these, like when I subscribe to some service, I'll put a fake name in. Like I'll add a doctor to my title or Kinsella the third, or I'll put Hillary as a head in my, you know, in the in, in the middle. Uh, and so I just got like this thing from Johns Hopkins, like to renew my Ayn Rand journal subscription. And it was like Stefan Kinsella, Dr. Stefan Kinsella, which I'm not the third Lord of Liberty. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember when I did that. <laughs> you do these things for fun. I don't remember how I got on this tangent. But the point is, um every now and then I get on these things, these kicks like over the years where I like say, God damn it, I'm traveling too much for libertarian bullshit, which I enjoy, but it's like it's a pain in the ass. You know, so I like this year I'm gonna do nothing. And I always fail on my promises. So you would think that the COVID year At least 2021 would be a year I could fulfill that. But strangely, oddly, 2021, I think I've traveled more than I've ever traveled in my life. I've done maybe a dozen or or 18 trips, two or three international. It's a pain in the ass with COVID, but I've done all these libertarian trips and some other non-libertarian trips like going to Alaska on a bike ride with some friends, libertarian friends, you know. And it's been like the best year of my life, actually, in a way. Uh, So the last year has been crazy uh, for me, but like Las Vegas and Alabama for Auburn, for Mises and um, uh, California and just everywhere, Uh, Turkey for Hoppe's thing. So the last year in a way for me has been crazy. Honestly, next year, 2022, I I'm going to try to stick back to my original curmudgeon we'll thing see. and like we'll just do like three that. just do five things instead of <laughs> instead of 20. Like but like in 2 weeks I'm going to New York for for Gene Epstein's um Oh this is good. I need to mention this. Anyone here who's listening cuz you're going to post this before my event. So the event is November I think 15th. It's no it's Monday, whatever Monday is. Yeah, this will be up like a week the, before that. Okay, so Monday is Soho Forum. Gene Epstein is having the Soho Forum, and I'm I'm ha- I'm going there to debate Richard Epstein, oh, the nice. legal theorist, on intellectual property. Excellent. And, of course, Gene has gotten a lot of flack from these uh, COVID-tarred libertarians who are saying, oh, you shouldn't be having the debate in New York because the forum requires a vaccine and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, it's horrible, but to my mind, he's doing something good. He's like – he's persevering despite all this horrible government fascism. I mean, maybe he should move it out of the city and do a traveling roadshow after this. I don't know. But anyway, he's not to be condemned. He's to be commended because, you know, he's trying to he's trying to get something done despite all this bullshit.
0: I like the idea of a Soho forum traveling roadshow. I can I can get behind that. I do too, and I think maybe people should write Gene and tell him that they would come. Yeah, or invite invite him to your venues and just make it easy. You know, say here's a space. Exactly. Here we can put these dates open, and here's what we can do, and boom.
1: Exactly. I don't think this is a big money making thing he's doing. is a is is a, a passion for liberty, and so if he need if he could get some support from other cities, um, and have and, and get committed, you know, people that will come and all this because he's doing it where people that are not vaccinated can come he should be rewarded for that. So I don't know. It's just my idea. He didn't put me up to this. Um, I'll see him tomorrow. He's coming to Houston for an event. So I'll see him tomorrow and see if he agrees with my, uh, well, tomorrow will be in the past by the time people hear this. Anyway, I'm rambling big time. So I'm totally, no, that's all good. I enjoy totally tangential. So uh,
0: so you did mention Hop there, Hoppa there um, in your travels. I think you did see him at a recent event. And I think you've known um, Han Sermon Hoppa for
1: Yeah, actually, can you see my t-shirt? Can you see my t-shirt? Let me... This is my T-shirt. This is I got this in Bodrum, Turkey. Evolution in Bodrum. Uh, nice. Yes, yeah. I, I got this in Turkey uh, in September with, at the conference. Um, every year, Hans hermann Hoppe has a conference um, in Turkey in Bodrum, Turkey. … where his family his, – his wife has a hotel, which is where the is of the conference is. It's called the Property and Freedom Society, propertyandfreedom.org. I run the website, so we put all the speeches up there. We're about to open up a podcast starting from 2006 when we opened this thing up to put all the all the material up online. So yeah, that was then, and that was a great conference. It was, uh, it was about half the size of two years ago, like 50 people instead of 100. Um, because of COVID, but we, we held it last year. It was canceled because of COVID. Are so, there,
0: We did you have to like show, did you have to show essentially a vaccine passport or anything to, to enter the country or to not have to quarantine or anything like that?
1: Yes. So it was, so like, like I said, this year I've traveled about 18 times and they were all domestic except I went to, um, oh, they're all domestic except I went to Turkey. I, I was counting Alaska as, as international. Alaska's not international. um, um. So for yeah, it was st- it was slightly stressful because of the, the COVID thing. So I went with some friends, and um, yeah, it's 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 like a hodgepodge of informal slash formal, ever shifting regulations. So that's why it's stressful because you leave the country right. and you're not sure if you can get back or
0: there could be a different rule eating. three days after you came in that changes what what you can do when you're there.
1: Now I was vaccinated in March of last year of this year, and then I had COVID in July. Because I went to New Hampshire, I went to Porkfest in New Hampshire, and and my friend Anthony Samaroff, the Scottish Libertarian, everyone knows this poor guy has gotten all kinds of grief because he was the alleged super spreader of COVID, which I think he was. But I mean, so what? I mean, you know, the disease passes from person to person. So I was one of his friends who caught it from him. I remember the dinner I was at with him when he had a a hot forehead, and I was like, oh, are you hot? (laughs) That's probably when I got it. But No, no I'm
0: feeling just fine.
1: So I got it, but I'm kind of grateful I got it because it was very mild, and then I thought I'm kind of unlikely to get it again when I go to Turkey. Um, but so to go to Turkey, um, a vaccine passport – I mean proof of vaccination – sufficed. So they just cursorily looked at it at Turkish Air in Houston, and I just went through.
0: Was it just a card for you, or do you, would you actually have an app or anything like that?
1: It was a card, but I lost the card on the plane on the way there, so I, I lost it. So I don't have my card, but in the meantime, I've gotten a replacement digital printout from CVS. I don't know. Um, but I also had with me proof of recovery of COVID within 90 days from my doctor because the, the US apparently would take that to return. But the point is it's just it's just stressful going overseas like i don't think i will travel overseas again until the covid stuff dies down and i know most libertarians think it will never die down it's going to become the new orwellian state but i think it will die down because people are getting sick of it they're getting you know even democrats are like come on
0: You know what makes me say, come on, it's when I find out someone I know or love has not been taking care of their finances, has not been thinking of the future. Well, a great way to do that is by investing with our friends at iTrust Capital. With iTrust Capital, you can invest in cryptocurrencies through a traditional IRA structure, which allows you to get some tax-free earnings from those cryptocurrency gains. And you can do this with the best company possible out there to do that, our friends at iTrust Capital. And whether you hold your assets for the long-term or you buy and sell with the market, iTrust Capital's IRA accounts provide the lowest transaction fees for buying Bitcoin or other digital currencies. I want to encourage you to get your free report. That is step one here, guys. If you look want more information, do yourself a favor. Get your free report right now by heading over to itrustcapital.com and use promo code LIONS to get your first month for free. You just can't beat that. Yeah, but that's what I wanted to ask you when you mentioned that earlier. When you say die down, do do you mean the disease will kind of flame out? Because I think that's kind of happening anyway in in several ways. But or do you do you really mean like all these restrictions, all these mandates, no. all these? You think that's I mean all the die
1: down? I mean the political response to it. But I, I could be wrong. But I I think yeah they 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 saw their opportunity. They seized on it. They went apeshit. It was a weird mania that seized the nation and controlled by the crazy Democratic state. Um. It was horrible. Um, no, they're going to go back to climate change. They're going to ruin the world another way with climate change bullshit. Well, there's no
0: lockdowns for that then, yeah, now that we're used to them. Yeah.
1: No, they might. They might. Um, so, um, no, so I think that the COVID stuff is going to – I mean, look, in my own mind – now, I'm in Houston and Texas. Houston's – Houston's not a conservative city. Everyone thinks it is. It's a bunch of limousine liberals and and you know rich Democrats. I mean, it's not that – and, and welfare welfare democrats. It's not this is not a conservative city. Nor is Austin or San Antonio or Dallas. Uh Texas itself maybe, but that's because of the you know the guys in trucks out in the farms. But um uh but living here is okay for me. But anyway the the uh, I forgot where I was going with this, but...
0: Um, I'm just curious, like, do you think even, even these mandates, even these mandates coming down from Biden, like, do you think this is a temporary thing that's going to completely flame away? Because I see so yeah. many companies yeah. just going towards this, even pre-mandates, that it's it's hard. Or do you think the mandates are going to go away, but maybe we'll still have a lot of corporations that kind of keep...
1: Well, I don't know what's going to happen with, with all these employees that are starting to put up a fight, like the airline pilots and the the military guys or whatever. I don't know who's going to win this battle. I... I would like to side with the employees and the common working man or whatever the left libertarians like to call it. But um, I'm afraid that the inexorable power of the state will will win, but by the time it's going to win, they will lose steam because people – so what I was going to say is like I think I noticed about three weeks or a month ago. I noticed that something had changed in my own personal habits. Like I just don't carry a mask. In like I used to carry a mask – with me all the time, like just as a mer- like, if you go into a store and they need a mask, you have your mask with you, right? Um, that's that's been for about a year or more. Um, and I noticed about two three weeks ago, I don't have to, I don't have a mask with me all the time. It happened to me this morning. I went somewhere and I had to borrow a mask from someone to go somewhere. So, and that is Texas. So maybe we're not the same as the rest of the country. But the point is, I think that the thaw, the ice is thawing. You know, it's it, this this cannot. This can't sustain forever, and I do think also the disease will 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 get gradually milder, and that will uh, that will give less. Uh, that mean there's less there's less reason that the status can use to keep the lockdowns going. This is my guess. I have no idea. I'm hope I'm hopeful. Maybe I'm being maybe I'm uh, I'm putting my hopes above my realistic uh, predictions.
0: I mean, I want you to be right. That I sure do. You know. but um, so. One one reason I re- initially brought you on is because there's – I know you are good friends with Hans Hermann Hoppe. I know you, you go back with him like m- many years, and not only do you know him personally, but you're also probably one of the – I would say one of the foremost experts on his work outside of maybe himself. And there's been a lot of talk about – be- he- I'm even better than Hans on Hans at this point. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's old. Maybe he's you are the number one expert then. Yeah.
1: He's like a Joe Biden. He's senile. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Hans is, sh- Hans is sharp as ever
0: so um yeah but there there has been a lot of talk about his work lately um in particular uh, may, maybe among some of the quote-unquote post-libertarians maybe we can talk about that later but i, I want to kind of dig into his work a little bit more with you because there's whenever hop comes up there's a certain Hopa. whenever Hoppe comes up there's a certain segment of uh libertarians that come out and start screeching and just start to throw st- stuff out there like racist or stuff you know the um, anti-gay, he's a monarchist, all this stuff and you you never see not never but you, from those people anyway you don't really see like in-depth analysis of his work, you just see these kind of smears coming out. So I want to kind of try to demystify Hoppe a little bit. Um but maybe you can just start like, you know, giving us a little background on your how you came to know him personally and, you know, when you first became introduced to his work.
1: I was a young uh law student, libertarian law student um at LSU in 1988, my first year. And I was steeped in um, objectivism and libertarian theory for several years and – six years at that point or seven years. And uh, I was like a budding Austrian and and Rothbardian anarchist at this point. Like I had gravitated – graduated from objectivism up to anarchism, right? And uh, Hoppe's Hoppe's argumentation ethics… article or symposium in Liberty magazine came out and I used to be an avid avid reader of Liberty and Reason magazine because we didn't have the internet then I know um, that's all there was. <laughs> there was there was the free market newsletter from Mises, there was Reason magazine uh the freeman which was from fee and there was liberty magazine that's all there yeah, was no and Internet a couple to of, argue
0: with libertarians on that must have been uh,
1: now we had shame. to we we, we our, our arguments took a lot longer by by snail mail um <laughs> it took a lot longer to hate people then um
0: sure, yeah. <laughs> i mean actually, actually, 10 seconds you're like oh, i hate this guy cool
1: <laughs> i mean i was corresponding with like tibor McCann and david kelly like in T-Bor, david kelly was a professor at 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 uh uh, Vassar up in Poughkeepsie, New York, and Tibor was somewhere where he and I mean like I'm corresponding with these random people that wrote a book I read. And I remember David Kelly wrote me back and he he answered a couple of my questions, but he said, it's like 1987 or he goes, Stefan, you're in Baton you're in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um there's a guy I know that's another fan of liber liberal ideas, libertarian ideas, objectivism, whatever, in Jackson, Mississippi, Jack Chris. … who became one of my best friends. Um, you might want to contact him, but like that's like three, four hours away from me. That's how it was back then. Like I had a guy in New York telling me to contact a guy three hours away from me to make a contact. Uh, so anyway, um, I forgot where we were going with this, but um, – Hoppa. Oh, so I read the Hoppa thing, and I got fascinated by his argumentation. I think that was a great uh, – That was a great segue – or not segue. That was a great way to guide me back on the path just now. You just said Hoppe. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember. Um, So I I started thinking about the Hoppe argumentation ethics and my own budding theory of rights, which I was working on at the time in my head. And um, um, eventually, after I graduated from law school a couple years later and went to London to get a master's… Started writing on some of this, and I ended up writing a review of his book. And I wrote it, I sent it to him, in like 1993 or 1994. And he he sent me a note back. So basically, I got interested in it and was fascinated by it. And I started wanting to explore my, you know, I was doing lawyer stuff, patent law at a big law firm in Houston at the time, and then Philadelphia. But I was also wanting to write on things I knew something about. Uh, like rights theory and and also later intellectual property and all that, um, but um, the rights theory was based on his stuff. So I went to uh, he said, "Stephan, uh, uh, it's a great review, did of my book and you know whatever." And we're having this conference, and the conference was. the John Randolph Society Conference in November of 2000 – I'm sorry, November of 1994 in Crystal City, Virginia, which is right outside of DC. Um, And that was in the middle of this second fusionism phase, which I call it, which was when the Rothbardians and the Mises people tried to ally with the Chronicles magazine crowd, Tom Fleming, Sam Francis, these guys… It was like a second fusionism. The first fusionism was was um Frank Meyer and Rothbard and all these guys. And 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 William Buckley and National Review. That was like the first fusionism. I actually want to write an article on this. I haven't gotten around to it yet. I think the first fusionism was around Frank Meyer and National Review and Rothbard. And then the second fusionism attempt was this was this paleo conservative slash paleo libertarian alliance, which was attempted in the ni- in the nineties between the Mises Institute two people. Centered around Rothbard and the Chronicles magazine crowd, like Tom Fleming and these guys. Anyway, I just went to this thing to meet Hoppe. As a bonus, I got to meet Rothbard and Rockwell and David Gordon and you know Tom DiLorenzo and and all my friends and, and that became friends later. Um, but I went there and I got to, I got Rothbard to sign my book. And um, then he died two months later. So the funny thing was, I had become started becoming. I mean, Hoppe and I, uh, we we just bonded very quickly because, um, we had a similar appreciation for for all these things. Um, and I was clearly an admirer and uh, a up and coming lawyer and all this kind of you know legal possible legal scholar. So when Rothbard died two months later in January of 1995, Hoppe says, "Well." He's been now appointed to be the editor of the JLS, the Journal of Libertarian Studies, because Rothbard died, and also the co-editor of the Quarterly Journal. I think the co-editorship was shared with Salerno, Hoppe, and maybe Herbertner, I can't remember. Anyway, so Hans says, Stefan, would you like to be the book review editor for the JLS? Because he trusted me and he knew he needed help, you know. So I said, fine. So I started collaborating with him on that. But really what did it for me was like 90, 1996 or maybe it was 95 when he died, the the, Liberta- the, the Mises Institute started having these um, these annual conferences in March or in the spring called the Austrian Scholars Conference. It's that's since been disbanded, by the way, and it's now replaced with it. Sort of got replaced by two things. One was the Austrian Economics Research Conference, which is more economics based, which is the spring thing now. But they sometimes have a Libertarian Scholars Conference in New York. which is a revival of something that happened in the old days, my understanding. Anyway, the point is for about 10, 15 years, there was an Austrian Scholars Conference, which was an interdisciplinary conference in Auburn at the Mises Institute. And I would go to every one of those, and for every one of those, I would prepare a talk, and most of those turned into all the papers that are now part of my corpus of my body of work. and over those years, I became closer with Hans, and then after about 10 years, 1995 to about 2005, he uh, he was getting closer to retirement and moving back to his homeland in Austria and Germany. And he married a Turkish woman who has a thing in Turkey, so he decided to start the Property and Freedom Society in 2006 along with people like Yuri Malsev and me and Guido Holzman and… Um, uh, Tom DiLorenzo, Lorenzo, and so the first meeting was 2006. Has been going on ever since. That's that's a, a compressed version of my history with all this, uh, and I've become closer and closer friends. And it, you know, I've never been more of an admirer of Hans, but never less of. I mean, I'm just a, a constant admirer of Hans's genius and body of work, uh, which is so broad. I mean, because I see so many people that admire Hans for reasons that were not the ones that attracted me to him, which is his first two books on theory. Uh, I mean people are interested in him now because of his democracy, because of his social critiques, his, dem- um, um, his what must be done article, which has get- been getting a lot of play lately. So I find it fascinating how how widespread the appeal of, of Hoppe's ideas are to different segments of our libertarian um, community.
0: One thing that comes up a lot, and this, I think this comes – mostly from Democracy the God That Failed, although he n- never actually says this at all. But people say, well, Hoppe is a monarchist. Now he talks about monarchy a lot in that book and he compares democracy to monarchy and suggests that monarchy would be preferable, but he he actually is, is pretty thorough in saying that he's not a monarchist. But maybe you can just expand expand on that idea, on 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 what he goes into more specifically in terms of monarchies and and why he sees monarchies as possibly or not possibly like definitely being preferable to democracies.
1: Yeah, uh, every now and then someone says, "What do you disagree with Hans on?" and and um, I can find a couple of quibbles, you know, a couple of footnotes in a paper with Guido Holzman or something, you know, about how you how you how you allocate your your money or something like that. But um, one thing I, I don't, I might not completely agree with Hans on. Well, so Hans is mischaracterized as being a monarchist, and he states explicitly he's not a monarchist. He's not a monarchist because he's an anarchist, Rothbardian, libertarian, so his ultimate goal is uh, libertarianism. What he says is that there's a common misconception among the West and even among liberals and even among libertarians and even among the radical ones like Mises and Rothbard who have a sort of soft spot for the American founding fathers and the revolution and democracy as some kind of progress from the pre… Uh, 1917 pre World War One realm right of monarchies, and what Hans points out is that not so fast. Um, the move from monarchy to democracy was not an unalloyed good. It wasn't. It wasn't unambiguously progress. And I agree completely with Hans on this. Um, where I think I might slightly disagree is what hans might say is that democracy i'm sorry he, he might say that monarchy is superior to democracy like in every way so like if you had to choose a versus b you would choose this um and i might agree that like a liechtenstein model would be superior to western large mass democratic states um but i what i would say is that and i think what hans would agree if he was pushed is that um Given that anarchy and the private law society, which is his term for for anarchy and libertarianism, given that that's our ideal, um, you could argue that monarchy is superior to democracy in many respects, if not most respects, but not in every respect. I mean, they're both imperfect, so you can't expect them to both. So not that there's a, there's a smooth continuum from Ancient regimes to monarchy to to democracy, like like it's always worse. I mean, there are some things about democracy that are probably better than under monarchy. But you know, if you ask me as a practical matter, what 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 would I choose to live under? A Liechtenstein, like a world of ten thousand Liechtensteins, or a world of you know seventeen Americas? You know, I think probably ten thousand Liechtensteins would be way better. But not better in every way. But the thing is, if it's not better in every way, there's ten thousand, so you can just move from
0: you right. Know, that that's kind of the idea.
1: You can just move from one to the yeah. other. So that would be what would make them better too. The the threat of exit and competition and all this.
0: Yeah, maybe you don't have as much voice in a monarchy, but if we have exit and you can go to whichever one you want, that kind of will naturally you know make things at least you know better than if you didn't have that.
1: And not only that, the nature of monarchy is that the monarch. Is visible, and there's a distinction between the monarch and the leader and the people. So the people know who to go after if there's something goes bad. Uh, so the monarch can only tax the people so much, and has to demonstrate some kind of benefits. And you know, if he's horrible, he can be killed. I mean, Hans tells a story about you know, at least in a monarchy, on occasion you can have a good monarch, <laughs> but you can never have a good democratic state. <laughs> you, if it's the nature of it, it's going to select the worst people. But on occasion, like you know, an emperor or a monarch might have a a genius, benevolent son. On occasion, Mm -hmm. he even tells a story like one of his friends was being robbed at at an ATM in some some European town, and the uh, two a two a.m. You know, after everybody's drunk after going to the bars, and some some robber robs him of his four hundred euros he's getting from the ATM, and the guy's like, dude. You're taking my money. I can't even get home. And so the so the robber gave him 20, 20 bucks back or twenty euros back, so he can get a cab. So like he had a nice robber. So <laughs> right. on occasion, you might get a nice robber. Like the nice pri- private criminals are horrible. Yes, but on occasion, they might have some ounce of decency to them. Right. But they you might don't give get you a bus ticket home or, or something. Yeah, like they might give you a bus ticket home, but you don't get that with the administrative state. <laughs> they have hmm. no. No soul, no personality, yeah, no at, compassion. And in, in
0: democracy, like like in this, especially in our giant democracy with just layers and layers and layers of it, there's really no one accountable. Is the thing like even the Correct. politician is there for a brief time and he's gone and and he's never yeah. held accountable for anything.
1: And that's part of Hoppe's argument. It's, there's a time preference argument. Like the, the leaders of a democracy. Uh, … they're in there for a temporary time, so they have no incentive to take to, – to push for policies that would maximize the wealth of the nation in the long term. They want to they maximize the wealth that they can get or they can steer towards their cronies and their friends in the short term, so you have short-term thinking, which is another trope that I know all, all the neo-Hoppians have, have jumped onto, which is this low-time preference, high-time preference uh, mentality… <laughs>
0: Or, or, or model. Who, who would you call a neo hoppian Would you? T- is that like some of like the new like? Wh- wh- who would you be describing there?
1: By neo hoppians I mean the people I see that I'm not sure if I totally agree with their politics. Um, who admire aspects of Hoppe's thought on the "What Must Be Done" essay and on democracy versus monarchy and on, on the time preference uh, type issues. Um. um I think a lot of those guys are are Hoppians too. Like they've read maybe his earlier stuff, but I think a lot of them have not. Like a lot of them have read the democracy stuff and the 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 monarchy stuff and the anti uh, and the cultural stuff.
0: That's pretty um, much what I've read too. Yeah, I mean.
1: Correct. So a lot of people have not read his like his hardcore praxeology, his rights theory, his his the stuff that's in his two big books, uh, a theory of socialism and capitalism. 1989 i believe and and the follow up book um um uh, uh, the economics and ethics of private property getting that right um uh, 1993 so those are the, his two big foundational works he has others too but those are the two big foundational works where he he extends mises on praxeology rothbard on politics and that's what blew my mind but you know i'm an old timer i didn't you know i'm like one of these guys like everyone loves ron paul and i'm like okay i have no problem with ron paul i'm going to his thing in december um, december whatever it is uh here third fourth uh, here in outside of houston in lake jackson but i didn't come into liberty through ron paul so and i didn't i've never learned anything from ron paul really to be honest sure. so he's great as a politician but you know he's not my mojo cuz i'm just a different generation um and the same thing I think with these, so there's later generations of libertarians who've learned things about Hoppe. I mean, you know, you have the meme generation, like people with the helicopters and the Pinochet stuff yeah. and the uh, you know, and sometimes it goes too far. You have this even the snake stuff, which look, I was just in Turkey. <laughs> I was just I was I'm fifty I'm fifty, fifty-five, fifty-six. What's, what's 55. the snake?
0: What's the snake one? I know the helicopter thing.
1: So the snake one, I like I said, I didn't know this. So I'm I'm <laughs> I'm in I think I was in Aphrodisias, which is this old ancient city, on a side tour with my brother-in-law, Tommy Turner, who came with me, but also along with me is Juan Carpio, who's a good libertarian Austrian buddy of mine from Ecuador, and Greg Dabrowski, this Polish – young Polish guy, and his dad, Dobron, who's – Bogdan. I'm sorry. who's an archaeologist, and uh, anyway, so we had a a good group of guys there. We were having fun, but it was was the 35-year-old Greg and oh Greg Morin was there too my friend Greg Morin. but and Greg Dabrowski was there and he's 35 and Juan's 45 and we three were walking like there's just rocks everywhere and fossils or not fossils but like ruins and one of them said something about snake and like of course I'm the old guy oh, who's I have like, seen this meme and I was like what's that about and they're like S-, he said S-, he said don't step on SNEC. and I'm like what <laughs> like I had no idea what they're talking about right they're I'm, they're trying to do meme talk And it's above the old guy's head. So they finally explained that a snake means snake. Don't step on snake. It's sort of like the Gadsden flag. I guess don't tread on me. I don't know, something like that. But there's another snake meme that somehow morphed into this like this Pepe the Frog kind of bullshit. So you have this weird alt-right stuff too in this kind of post-libertarian – and I don't mean to say all the post-libertarians are like this, but some people that were libertarians that became… Like Chris Cantwell, these types, these kind of, oh okay, these racialist types who
0: like, uh, I would certainly separate like Chris Cantwell, Cantwell from like you know, correct. the more the more current post libertarian
1: types. Yeah, sure. I'm just saying people that like literally were they're post libertarian in the sense that they were libertarian and now they've moved on to something else. I don't know, I don't know how to characterize. Do you them. think
0: that is why is that where like the the part where people will act like. Hoppe's um theories or or what have you are racist because some people like a Chris Cantwell will actually maybe take those theories and then spin them in this way where maybe they they actually are racist, so then they might take it and say, well, I'd like to build a racist community or something like that. I mean, how does that get, get so My
1: per I mean, my personal view is there may be a few a few minds that do that, but they're just really stupid people. Like if you have to really stupid to really just be deceived by this and to like, oh, Hoppe is racist because there's a meme out there that's, you know, whatever. I think that's a a trivial fraction of it. I think the rest of it is active uh active dishonesty uh on the part of either um the same old respectable Cato minarchist, you know establishment.
0: I think it was actually the mo- most recently a Cato guy that I, I saw literally just saying that Hoppe is racist. Yeah, of, course, I, I, of course. I don't want to name names. Yeah. If I don't know for sure, but it was definitely someone from Cato.
1: Yeah. By the way, I, I will always name names. Now I, I don't, this, this well, is because cool. in case
0: I'm wrong, in case I, no, in case, I get I, you know. it.
1: I understand being, being cautious, but I, you know, I, I've, I've come to think that. So like, there's something to the Jason Stapleton guy, these guys that say that, you know, the way to freedom is wealth. Like I don't agree with everything all these guys say because they all have this proactivist. Pre- they all like it, when you see the debate between uh, Angela McCardle and this other guy, and
0: uh, it was on your show. I just was watching it. Yeah, Matt. That was with Matt Erickson. Yeah,
1: yeah. Erickson and uh, Dave Smith and um,
0: who's the other guy? He did um, one with Jason. With Jason, as Jason, well, might have, might have like seen, yeah.
1: every one of them has nuggets of things that I agree with by and large i side with dave smith and angela by and large but they all of them have this presupposition of activism like like what's the best way to achieve liberty like that's what they all think ultimately but it's like well wh- why do we like let's maybe we need to do do a meta thing and go back a level and see whether that's really like that's not why i'm a libertarian it never was <laughs> i mean mm-hmm. i agree with jason that if you have more wealth and power that it it enhances your own freedom, and that's probably what you should do if you want to have a direct consequence. But then he says, but I want to help other people do it. I was like, well, that's – what does that even – like I could see building your own wealth, but what do you mean you want to help other people do it? Like that, is it a business? Is it – so like something shady about it, or I don't get it.
0: Do you mean what do you mean by shady? I have to I have to push back a little bit there because I, I do I do know these people very well. So uh, do you mean shady? Like you think it's a there's a scam element of it, or what are you, what are you trying to say?
1: Maybe maybe I, I I don't know I don't know what he means by if you just said my goal in life is to. Increase my own wealth and power, and that's all I care about the rest of the – humanity can go to hell in a handbasket, although he said you know, I care about other people. That's fine. But if you say, okay, but the way to help them is to help them gain wealth and power, it's like, okay, but – like if he's criticizing uh, Dave Smith for saying – if he's saying that mere words don't help other people get their liberty, right? which is true, like mere messaging doesn't help people get their liberty… Merely running a candidate for president in the election, you know, on the LP ticket doesn't help people get liberty. Um, if he's criticizing them for saying it doesn't result in other people getting liberty and the only way to actually get liberty is to get wealth, okay, that, that, might, that might be right. But all that means is that's what you do. But then if you say, so, so I want to get liberty, I want to get wealth in my own life, but I also want to help other people, then I'm wondering, okay, what does that mean? Like, how are you helping them? Like, do they have to buy into your like I keep hearing this thing about independent revenue source, which I think is complete I think it's bullshit. I mean, there are many ways. So so like just like there are many ways to achieve liberty, there are many ways to get wealth. One might be a W Two job in a city like we do, like my and my wife and I do, you know? And okay, yeah, I could have mobility as my fucking goal and move around the world and go to fucking Saipan or something and live like a pauper and you know. disrupt everything and you know be a lifestyle libertarian that's not the way everyone's got to do it you have to have this broad ecumenical view there's lots of ways to do things so when you say i want to help people do it i start wondering okay when's the infinite banking concept bullshit going to come out when's the when's the product i don't know is he rolling is he trying to sell people uh, let me invest your money for you. Here's my product. I want you to join. Here's my mailing list. Here's.
0: Is it that much different to uh, like be be out there giving people a message of like, here's this other thing you should do to have more liberty in your life, whether that's gaining more wealth or what have you? Is that that much different of a, of a conceptually speaking? than I think
1: it's different. Than- if someone, if someone said, "Hey, Stephen, um, you're a friend of mine. I know you. In your opinion, <laughs> what's your advice? What should I do in my life?" I mean, I'm not a scamming them. They, they ask me a question. I give them an answer. I say, OK, get a degree in this, uh, major in this field. Don't divorce your wife or don't marry a woman you don't love or don't have a kid if you're not ready. I don't know. It's just advice, you
0: know, because one thing that I've seen in the last because in the last like maybe year and a half is like I, I would agree with you that those like not everybody wants to do things the same way. So for some people, like you know, having mobile income and and maybe multiple sources of income and being able to be a digital nomad, that's like a higher value than perhaps the they stay built. That's right? fine.
1: That's fine. But but don't but don't pretend that it comes with no cost. I sure, mean, I moving to Saipan. I mean, I was hearing one of these libertards on, on 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 the thing the other day. He he was in Saipan, but now he's in Austin. I'm like, okay, so you moved all the way to Saipan. To avoid income taxes, probably didn't have enough income (laughs) that these 90% discount made a difference. I don't know, but now he's in Texas. Okay, that's fine, but Texas is part of the US, and you got to pay your taxes again. So it's like just going back and forth. All these libertarians are always desperately seeking for something, and they're not always clear about what it is. What I was telling Pete and some uh, – I think it'd be helpful if people would just be explicit and clear about the presuppositions of what they're talking about. Like if you have an activist presupposition, just state it and see if everyone agrees. Don't just take it for granted because that's question-begging. So if you assume that, well, the best way to achieve liberty is this, like, well, wait a minute. What do you mean Is my goal to achieve liberty? I mean my goal as a libertarian is to live a moral life. And to understand things and to advance scholarship, I'm sorry if that's not good enough for the libertards who think that the activist types who think that uh, you know I'm not marching at a pro gun rally in downtown Houston on a Saturday afternoon when I could you know be sitting in my hot tub and enjoying myself. I mean, you know, okay, I'd rather be in the hot tub too. Yeah, Uh, but but the point is, it's like they think that the presupposition is that. Like even this Angela McCardle uh, debate with uh, Erickson, they both had these unstated presuppositions, but they shared some too, which they didn't want to identify that they shared. Anyway, I, it's too much to go into. But yeah, I, I, was just gonna,
0: it, yeah I, I was planning to circle back to more of that, but I was just gonna, I was letting you can, go. I, I don't we mind. I don't mind. Wherever where, where yeah. we're
1: gonna take it, I'm okay with
0: it. No, I mean, I, I was gonna kind of curious, but um, we can well. Which way? A couple we, we can veer a different couple of different ways here. Though, why don't we go back to a little bit more of this Hoppa stuff, and then I'll ask you. I'll circle back to this post libertarian thing. How about sure. Because um, I do want to kind of get your thoughts on where, like, I, where does the re come? Where, where does like the the this whenever Hoppa comes up, like whether it's someone from Cato, they'll say, "Oh, the racist Hapa." Oh yeah 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 Australia yeah. sure track. Yeah, it was. Nope. Uh, you know oh, what? Yeah. You say name names. It was an it was an Alex Narase tweet. There you go. I, I know it was now. We
1: we got off that. Yeah. Um, so my view is – so it's like the people that hate him and make these they, – they think that he's racist or the, the – I don't uh, paleos or anarchists or, or libertarians or Mises people. I think the people that actually believe that are very very small in number because you, it's just not true, and you have to be a retard to believe that. I mean so the people that really say that, I think they're the – like I said, the respectable types – and my view is that there's this – first of all, there's always a personality thing. I always find it helpful, and I always enjoy like when I, I see movies or I meet friends from another country, and I get the perspective on the US that's not from from the inside because we get really myopic and self-centered because we're the biggest in the world and we're the most important. And that's another thing I hate about the libertarian movement. It's so American-fucking-centric, and… Um, this leads us to founder worship and the fucking constitution worship and the goddamn Cato people, all these idiots putting the Liberty Bell and the Statue of Liberty and all these symbols of the American Revolution as if they're represent- – and the constitution, even worse, the constitution as representative of liberty. It's like, goddamn it, get off this American bullshit.
0: So they they represent the American myth of liberty but they don't really represent any kind of libertarian yeah. or austro framework for anything.
1: The American myth of liberty I appreciate I understand why we we became the home to it there's a there's a connection with the the lockeans and the the levelers and the pre the pre-british I understand that but you no know, they're conflating you know they they're buying into the fucking propaganda I mean you know the, the, the constitution was a coup by the elite property classes the white males who wanted to divert the tax revenues from Britain to themselves right <laughs> they to succeed congratulations to do it they had to, they had to use all these patriotic images i just heard this funny black comedian guy he was talking about the the the, the, the 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 national anthem and he's like it's not catchy and it's the same song as the Brits use just we change the words you know if you want people to be more patriotic change the goddamn song of course you know the Trumpers will go crazy if you say that
0: (laughs) give us born in the USA or
1: something so anyway what I think is is I think there's a bit of personal stuff from the old days of the movement which permeates everything to this day and like I said. People on the outside get mystified by this. Like people in Brazil and other countries are like, "Why are the, why is Group A and Group B hate each other in America? Because we look to America as like the beacon of liberty or whatever." In terms of the, I don't mean the country itself, but I mean uh, the libertarian groups that are here. Like they don't understand it, and I kind of like think, yeah, if you don't understand it, maybe, maybe you're right that like these differences are petty and trivial, and I do think they'll die out over time. But I think because the libertarian movement is so young. Like I think it only started in the 60s with Ayn Rand basically and Milton Friedman and then then Rothbard and Mises and Leonard Reed and the foundation – so that was the, the genesis of it. So you had all these personality squabbles, and the big personality squabbles was really between the hardcore radical and then Austrian types, anarchist types like Rothbard and then Mises Institute versus the more incremental… Cozy up to power, have a beltways. We can the, call the them, Cato, the Beltway types, the Cato types, whatever. Um, and plus the actual rift that happened with Rothbard himself and the Cato people. Like he started the Cato Institute and the Libertarian Party. I think uh, he started the, the the Cato Institute, and then he was kicked out by the billionaire, you know. And so that led to bad blood. And then, so I think you had. You had the flowering of the movement. You had the growth of the think tanks, and these people getting more and more position in some academic institutions, and everyone staking out their position. And when Roth, and so when Hoppe came along as Rothbard's sort of understudy in the in the eighties, he was number one German, and of course all Germans are Nazis, we know, right? And and number two,
0: <laughs> and many Jews nowadays apparently. Yeah, and number
1: two, he was Rothbard's chosen child. And you know he was also anarchist and Austrian, Misesian Austrian, not just Hayekian flappy bullshit. You know uh, he was actually hardcore <laughs> everything, and so and he came up with some pioneering new theories, like he extended praxeology, he extended economic uh, applications to things um, uh, like antitrust theory and other things, and he came up with a new ethical theory, which Rothbard wholeheartedly endorsed and adopted his argumentation ethics. And I think that that pissed off and threatened a lot of the establishment people for the same reasons that they were pissed off that Rothbard and Lou Rockwell started the Mises Institute and that they didn't bow to the will of the Cato coctopus bullshit, whatever. I don't know. I'm just saying it's a messy thing. So I think there was some professional jealousy there, like he was Rothbard's anointed thing. These are cocky ass – a lot of these guys are cocky and in the old days, they were mid-level people too. I mean you know, it didn't – you didn't have to be a world-class genius to become a leading libertarian intellectual because there was no, – you came from nothing. There was low-hanging fruit. You know what I mean? So you got a lot of these middling-level middling, middling level intellectual people that had risen to some position of prominence, and they were desperate to cling on to their little perch, and they had their own stupid little classical liberal Aristotelian you know, weak-ass defense of liberty… And when when Hoppe came out with a fresh new one that Rothbard endorsed, they were threatened by it. So they had to take him down. So I think that's part of it. That's part of it. So it's um, more
0: maybe in-group identity that that keeps this thing going more than – it's certainly not based on any policies I've ever been able to find. That's yeah. that's what I think. That's what, I, that's what I've seen. All right, gang. Got to take one quick break to tell you about our amazing – wonderful friends and supporters over at Lorenzotti Italy. Lorenzotti Italy is the number one place for you to stop and order some fine premium Italian coffees delivered right to your door in these neat little tins. And if that wasn't enough, you get to do so knowing you are helping a sponsor of this program. And if that weren't enough, you get to order using your Lions of Liberty discount code. That discount code is ROAR, and it gets you 10% off your order. So head on over to Lorenzotti.coffee.com. And use discount code ROAR for ten percent off some frying premium Italian coffees. Mm, mm, mm. Yummy, yummy, yummy!
1: I'll, I'll tell a story. I mean, I remember I was a young, fresh lawyer. I was open to everything. You know, I'm in Philadelphia. I'm starting to write articles and like have some credentials, and you know, be maybe possibly part of some of this movement. I didn't have any alliances, and this is like nineteen, right. you know, the early nineties. So I remember I, I actually got a job offer from Cato uh, in 1998 or 1999 from Roger Pilon, who's a brilliant philosopher-lawyer there, although he supported the Iraq War and all that kind of crap. So yeah, being an anarchist doesn't really help sometimes, does it? Uh, <laughs> but I remember I I, I called him because cause, um, Hoppe had written his argumentation ethics ideas based in part upon the the discourse ethics ideas of his PhD professor, Jurgen Habermas, who's like a world famous philosopher in Europe. He's a lefty and he's he's all over the map, but he had this interesting idea about how you justify norms through discourse ethics. And Hoppe took that, pared it down, combined it with Austrian economics insights and radical Rothbardian um political insights and came up with a fresh defense of libertarianism. Okay, fine. Maybe you like it. Maybe you don't, but it's not a horrible thing to try to do. right? Mm. (laughs) Anyway, there was a similar phenomenon, which I thought was interesting, and that was um, there's an American philosopher uh, named Alan Gaworth who had his own…  … … justification of the liberal welfare state like Habermas did. He's not exactly Habermasian, but he – it's called the principle of generic consistency. They're both like neo-Kantians, okay, so they're both like neo They have these weird discourse ethics-type arguments for the liberal welfare state. So Hoppe took Gewir- uh, 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 Habermas's and turned it into a libertarian version, and Roger Pilon, who got his PhD under Gaworth in America, took Gaworth's social democratic neo-kantian sort of discourse ethics stuff and turned it into a libertarian version. So you have these two smart PhD libertarian philosophers, each of his, each of his, each of whom took their PhD professors their their, their dissertation advisor professors kind of neo-kantian democratic theory normative arguments and they worked it into a libertarian thing. So there's some there's some similarities. … and some parallels and some affinities, and I was fascinated by both, although Hoppe criticizes Gewirth in his thing, and I think he's right. He criticizes Gewirth because Gewirth is based upon action, whereas hopper and Hoppe are based upon argumentation, and and they argue, and I agree with them, that argumentation has normative connotations, but action does not Okay, because Crusoe himself alone on an island can act, but he, there's no normative connotations because there's no other people. There's no anyway, it's 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 a philosophical thing. It's about how the universalizability of principle applies. But anyway, I called Pallon because I'm like a young lawyer and I'm like interested in Cato at the time and all this and and libertarianism. And I remember I was talking to, to Pallon I think this was before I got the job offer to edit their Supreme Court Review, which exists now, which I turned down immediately because <laughs> the pay was less than being a lawyer in Philadelphia. And like, hey, I'm a Jason, Sta- I'm a Jason Stapleton kind of guy. I'm like, I'm going to make money and I can buy my own liberty and be my own benefactor. I don't need to be at the behest of Charles fucking Coke. You know what I mean? Which, thank God, I didn't. Although I've turned down Coke, I've, I've actually accepted a few co- some Coke money in the meantime. But you know, I don't think it tainted me that much, right? Anyway,
0: doesn't
1: sound like it. <laughs> so, Polan's like I said. What do you think about the like I'm being a, a naive young lawyer, like like these foreigners do, like they don't understand these these disputes. And I said, hey, Roger, your stuff with with Gaworth is great. It's interesting. It's fascinating. But have you heard of Hans Hermann Hoppe and his stuff on on uh, his Habermasian neo Habermasian argument for liberty? And Pallon said something like, Well, Hoppe is a poor man's Gaworth. And when he said that, I stopped in my tracks, and I'm sitting at my desk in Philly at an office, like talking to a guy in DC about libertarian and like and so you have basically a fellow anarchist libertarian criticizing his fellow anarchist libertarian for not being as good as Gaworth, who was Pallon's advisor. But but Gaworth was a socialist. So I'm like, why would you say that a fellow libertarian is a poor man's socialist? Like, even if you don't like his argument style or whatever as much, at least you're both libertarian. You know, something about that. And then later on, I learned that this was just all infighting. Like they should have been allies, right? They should have like supported each other and maybe had a, a conference together or a symposium, like try to combine their insights or learn from each other or something. But no, it was this it was this demarcating territory kind of crap.
0: For a group of people that often like to like pride them, ourselves, whatever, on sort of individuality and, and that sort of thing, uh, libertarians seem to be – as prone to if not maybe even more prone to uh in group mentality where once you're ta- whether it's we see it today with the mises caucus stuff fighting with certain people um or th- these yes. these old feuds that go yeah. back decades it's it's basically just reiterations of the same thing
1: yeah by the way i've seen the same thing with the mises caucus stuff i mean i mean look i love the mises caucus i'm a supporter i guess i'm a member i don't know whether there's an official way you can find <laughs> out but um I'm not quite sure that all the people that are members of the Mises Caucus even know who Mises is <laughs> I mean, from from my experience with them. I, I don't, I'm really kind of mystified, to be honest, about how they got to be so popular so fast because I would have thought that they were attracting the Mises Institute-type people. And I think that might be one-third of it, but I think the rest is just people that I don't even understand like how you could be a member of the Mises Caucus and not even have read… You know Mises and Rothbard and this stuff, but some of them apparently have. But anyway, my point is, I'm happy with them. They're growing. They're gonna. They're gonna. They're gonna improve over time or whatever. Uh, but um, in fact, we're having a oh, we're having a Mises Caucus thing. What? what, what uh, before I say this, when are you going to release this?
0: This will be released Monday. So okay, they, fine.
1: Yeah. Okay, so before, fine. before. So. Uh today we're recording this on a Thursday. So on uh, on sat this Saturday in here in Houston, we're having so there's the Mises, there's the Libertarian Party of Texas is having their um their uh annual convention or something at the Hotel Derrick right down the street from my house. I'm here in the middle of Houston. And it, the special guest, Justin Mosh, a congressman. And so the the Mises caucus, Texas people most of them don't want to go to it because they don't want to pay 250 bucks to go here because
0: they don't have enough wealth power and influence
1: <laughs> that may be it or maybe they they're, maybe they're not or, maybe the may, or maybe just or maybe
0: they don't want to go to the hotel there
1: anyway so uh, so we're gonna have at at my country club right down the street called the Briar Club um we're gonna have a what do you call it a counter event an alternative event um we're gonna have our own event it's at the same big. time but it's going to be equally as nice um but just people that are Mises as caucus people so we're going to actually have that. So I'm a supporter. All I'm saying is I'm a supporter. So what I'm saying is the hate I hear about the Mises Caucus is just it's just ridiculous. Uh, and I saw this with the with the look. I'm a member of the Libertarian Party because Tom Woods and Dave and all these guys joined, and I've never been a member all these years. I said I've been voting Libertarian since 1988. I think when Ron Paul ran the first time, but or 86 it was. Uh, but I. Um, I've never been a member until a couple years ago because I've always thought political electoral politics is futile, and I still believe that, by the way. So I kind of agree with the criticisms of um, Erickson and these other guys about electoral politics, but I don't care. It's all futile. Like What you're doing is futile. So I don't mind fighting the battle on whatever fronts I can be part of and other people fighting it on other fronts that I can't be part of. I don't mind that. That's fine. If you want to be part of the battle, but just don't delude yourself that you're going to win, okay? Because if you start deluding yourself, or if, if that's the only thing that's important to you, it tends to result in people they wash out, they burn out, they get fed up with it. Like, why did I spend all my time doing this Ron Paul bullshit? It didn't work. Like, because there, if you talk about short term, short time preference, that's high time preference. It's like you got to have a longer view, and you got to have empathy for other people. So you do it for other reasons. Um, anyway, that's my own take on it, um, but the point is this Libertarian National Committee thing when Karen Ann Harlows got ejected, which I think is a disgrace. I know her. I don't like her. She's amazing, and all these people that hate her, every single one of them I think should burn in hell. I mean I don't believe in that, but you know, they're just completely immoral sellouts with no principles, no integrity. It's complete crap. That's my opinion.
0: I mean, it's something sad to see people uh, conniving and scheming behind doing sort of dastardly things to take control of a party that has no power. Correct. So
1: I I hope Angela McArdle wins in Reno next year and they sweep and all these these moderate, you know, toe tipping, you know, finger in the wind, feckless petty power assholes are gone. That's what I hope. But it's only because <laughs> I don't think it really matters because I think LP still won't matter.
0: But if we're going to have, a- you hope for it in the way of just like a fun show to watch, like you'd rather see these guys win and maybe, you no, know,
1: I, 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 I hope for it as a matter of small justice. And also because, um, the reason I joined about three years ago when Tom and, and Dave and all these guys did,
0: I thought to myself, look, we had a whole summit on this very podcast.
1: I've been, I been, I've been telling hearing. people for 15 years, like because er, every normal person you meet says, Hey, Kinsella, aren't you a libertarian? I'm like, and they think that means libertarian party. I'm like, I was always doing this thing where, well, I'm not a member of the Libertarian Party. I'm not a capital L libertarian, but I'm a small like, I got sick of I'm like, I thought, you know what? These are my people. They're calling themselves libertarian. They're representing libertarianism to the people under this banner. so I'm gonna join them and help them and if I can you know if I can support or push for for if they' if someone's out there calling themselves libertarian, at least they should be libertarians you know like we shouldn't have Bob Barr or Wayne Allen Root or these these low lifes like I mean what the hell I mean Gary Johnson was barely acceptable. I mean will Bill Weld really? Remember Jeff Tucker saying, Oh, he's an old world gentleman. Like, I don't care. <laughs> who cares. Did
0: Jeffrey say that? Yeah. Old
1: world <laughs> no, gentleman. Jeffrey's
0: very charitable with things, so I can see that. That's, that's not that's not, what, that's not charitable. Want to... that's, that's not charitable. That's not charitable. Yeah, more than yeah. yeah it's, it's just anyway. So
1: so I'm <laughs> what I'm saying is what I'm saying is um the, the the Mises caucus people, so when they had that 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 coup attempt in New Hampshire, it was obviously a coup attempt, and it was because these establishment types hate the Mises Caucus. Now, why do they hate them? I think it's just because of the name Mises and they think it's got something to do with the Mises Institute and, of course, they're all racist, right? So, I think it's something like that.
0: It leads back to the same thing Well, Mises and, you know, Lou Rockwell to to Rothbard to Hoppe and everyone's racist.
1: And so, what I've come down to in my own life is, like, I think this is one good thing about having independent, financial independence, which I have. Like, if someone accuses me of something, I just say, F you, you're an asshole. Walk away. I don't need to deal with you. I don't care if you exclude me from your country club. Fine. Or from whatever your circles are. Fine. I don't need you. You're an asshole. So I don't think you should back down, but I don't think you should, uh, you know, you don't need to like, Sit down and say, here's why I'm not a racist because 1998, I helped the black. Uh, right. I gave, I gave, here's a picture of me with this. Guy, yeah, I this gave 2000. Okay. My wife, my wife is half black, maybe. I was like, fuck that. You know, it's like, no, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> fuck you. I don't need you in my life. Go enjoy your miserable life <laughs> as a parasite loser. I mean, you know, but if you can be, but not everyone can do that because some people have jobs, you know, and they might get fired. <laughs> Oh, they might get banned from Twitter or Facebook, and they depend upon that. I don't care. Even worse. I don't, I don't worse care. Fired banned from Twitter, ah. Facebook. I've been, I've been hoping to be banned from Facebook, and Twitter for a while. Anyway,
0: what, one more thing I, I wanted to ask you about, Stefan, is um, I, I was on Pete Quinones' show a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm not sure if you heard that one or not, but um, he, we were talking about, you know, the he was talking about kind of the the post libertarian stuff and the people that have sort of been asking questions about you know what the libertarian philosophy have done or what have you and he mentioned to me that of all the sort of like libertarian luminaries or intellectuals out there the only person or maybe one of the one of the only people that actually reached out to him to ask him about it was you that you reached out and just said like what's what's going on with this post-libertarian stuff so i'm wondering if you could just comment on that on like what you heard that made you reach out to pete and like what your thoughts are about some of that that conversation
1: because i've gotten to the point now where i don't i'm so skeptical i don't believe I don't believe anyone anymore. Like I don't believe libert, like I certainly don't believe the government on the COVID bullshit. But I don't believe libertarians either because, like, they're right to be skeptical. But they, you know, they say shit that is so outlandish. Like, so at this point, like, I don't know who to trust. I don't trust my doctor. I don't trust libertarians who say that you know, ivermectin work. I mean, you know, I don't know. My point is, I have a, I have a big skepticism. But I've always had the skepticism when if you accuse someone of, re- if you say. If you hear on the mainstream media like X, Y, and Z is a racist, my honestly my immediate assumption is they're probably not, right? Because it's the standards have become so diluted now, and people use them politically. So when someone says, "Oh, uh, this guy Stephen, you used to like Pete is he's now he's no longer a libertarian, he's a post libertarian," like even Stefan Molyneux, like old friend of mine, haven't talked to him in a long time, but he, he and I are old friends. Over the years, people keep telling me. Um, oh, Molyneux is like totally changed to become a Trumper and anti he's a racist and anti immigration. I don't know. I guess part of the problem is I'm not sitting there following these guys' uh daily posts all the time, like like their followers or their haters are. So, but when people say, oh, he's a racist or he's a he's not a libertarian anymore, I'm like, I don't, I don't believe what you just said. It could be true, but I don't I don't take your word for it. Like what What exactly did he say? What was the context? When did he say it? So I, I – especially people that I know are somewhat libertarian or used to be libertarian, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to assume that they're not libertarian anymore just because someone who now hates them for some petty reason says. So yeah, so I just asked Pete. I said, like, I heard about this post-libertarian. Are you? And and we may, we may have a talk about that. I just talked to him this morning about it a little bit on, on direct messaging. So – I'm curious to see what he thinks and what he says, and I've heard a little bit of the smatterings from these the um, debates that I just told you about this morning that I will listen to it in the last couple of days because I'm just kind of curious. I'm getting curious. Mm-hmm. I mean I always, I'm always curious about the neo-reactionary stuff, the uh, post-libertarian stuff, uh, the Curtis Jarvin stuff you know, even the all even some of the alt right stuff. I'm just curious about it. I'm not gonna become that, but I'm curious about it. And I wanna know who what's what and who's who. So I was curious about that from Pete and uh yeah, I think I learned a little bit, but I'm I'm curious to learn more, if that's what you're asking.
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I am just kinda curious what you were curious about. And like and I remember hearing a talk with you and him on his show maybe a few weeks prior to that. Um and you're kind of talking about you know, some of these these things that aren't cut and dry like for example when let's say the federal government institutes a mass vaccine mandate okay all libertarians are opposed to that uh but then maybe some some states or some you know municipalities might put in their own thing saying no you can't do a vaccine mandate here and then you know a lot of people say well that's not libertarian and you know i i might agree that it's not but it's also like okay now let's pull out and look at the context of what's going on here so that correct Correct, … and that that was
1: one thing I think he and I kind of uh, went back and forth on Twitter on because I simply made the observation that like, like the Ron DeSantis-sponsored Texas uh, – Florida law, which I don't know if it ever became law, but it was a proposed law. And then in Texas, there was a mandate and a proposed law basically basically penalizing private companies in those states that re- asked their employees for uh, proof of vaccination… And while as a normal human, I think that these companies are stupid for doing this and unwise, and while I think that the pressure that they're being subjected to to do that by the federal government is completely outrageous, um, as a technical matter, the the laws punishing an employer for doing it is unlibertarian. And the reason – I'm just stating obvious libertarian analysis. I'm not saying how the greater – battle falls or, or like uh sure. I, I'm even sympathetic to like this general thing. But you can't just you can't just respond to that, which I think Pete did one day. You can't just say you can't bring a knife to a gunfight. It's like okay. If you want to have a long discussion about it, but you can't just say you can't just dismiss someone's concerns that a given proposal violates someone's property rights by just a stupid a stupid aphorism
0: like you can't bring a gun to a knife fight. I mean, well, it's kind of the nature of Twitter. It's going to turn into stuff like. Yeah, that. I mean, are you saying that?
1: Yeah, that any means. I mean, the, the ends justifies any means. I mean, I, I mean, what what exactly are you saying? And 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 I'm thinking of thinking like, okay, what if I'm an employer? What am I supposed to do if I'm in Florida? Uh, the federal government's going to find me with OSHA if I don't do this, and the state's going to find me here. I mean. You're torn between two daddies. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel sympathetic to these companies. Uh, I don't know what they should do. I, I, I know what I would want to do if I ran one. I and was, I was the total owner of it. I would want to defy the federal sure. government and I don't know, pay the fines. I mean what, what, I, what I said was if you want to be really radical and ballsy and not pussyfoot around and not compromise your own principles, why don't you propose this? The state of Florida should have some balls and interpose and exert some nullification and say any business in Texas, any individual in Texas, I mean Florida, under our control and under our protection, um, we will protect you from any federal effects of any mandate. You don't have to have a federal – you don't have to have a vaccine um, requirement for your employees. We're going to protect you. Okay, that would be ballsy. That would take some effort. That might fail, but it would at least be something worth trying. And would be totally unobjectionable from a from a decentralized libertarian point of view, because it wouldn't violate the rights of any employer, and it would possibly help them protect them against the feds. But don't make the states the, the enemies of the feds. But again, I understand that you could have a debate. Like some libertarians think, "Fuck it, this is such a big issue. You just got to side with Florida because they're basically better." And you know, if some private businesses that want to have a vaccine mandate uh, or harmed, that's collateral damage. Okay, if you want to argue that, that's fine. You can argue that. I don't have heartburn about that kind of argument.
0: Fair enough. All right, Stephen. Well, it's been a, it's been awesome catching up with you. Um, I think one thing about you is you have a lot of opinions. Some of them fall just within, <laughs> we're talking about libertarian stuff and some of them are just unlike, unlike other libertarians. I have a lot of opinions. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, yeah. So you're a libertarian basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been a blast having you on, man. Uh, there, is there anything else you want to plug or mention before we, before we sign off here?
1: Uh, Soho forum, look up Soho forum, I think.org or whatever it is. Um, no, no, no. Yeah. They'll get this before the SOA Forum. It's November fifteenth, so I'm debating yeah. Richard Epstein. Yeah. If you happen to be vaccinated and you want to go, or you can do. Oh, but no. This is a. Uh, this is. Or a, if
0: you happen to have some other piece of paper that might correct, correct. You if you, know you want to, to cheat, right.
1: uh, or if you want to, uh, uh, if you want to uh,
0: defeat the stupid control. No, but there, you want to bring a twenty dollar bill to bribe the doorman, whatever works.
1: But you could also stream it for six bucks, I think. So you can stream it. So you could, from the safety of your own home, you can support Gene's efforts without actually going to new york and supporting their vaccine bullshit uh so yeah soho forum um look for the debate on november 15th with me and richard epstein on intellectual property
0: all right stefan it's always fun ever since the first episode it's always been fun thanks a lot stefan we'll talk soon thank you great work keep on roaring all right kitty cats i hope you enjoyed my conversation with the great stefan kinsella bring him back an oldie, but goodie from all the way from the very first episode of lions of liberty. We've got good old Stefan Kinsella back and he certainly has some opinions. That is for sure. The only thing I will say, I will just say I've known Jason Sapleton for many years, uh, both in the podcast realm and personally. And I will just say he's not shady. I will just say that he's probably one of the more forthright, uh, open and honest people I've actually you know, had the pleasure to work with. Uh, so that's all I'm going to say about that. But some other friends of mine, are those you're going to be hearing from a little bit later this week. Hopefully, hopefully Brian has returned and emerged from his European adventure in Vienna uh, with the Austrian something or other conference. I don't know. He'll tell you all about it on electric Liberty land, uh, but he'll be returning this coming Wednesday while John Odermeck continues to pump out interviews like clockwork. He had an amazing one last week uh, with Vin Armani, AKA Cyprian got into some things that I don't think he has ever spoken about in any other platform before. So be sure to go back and check that one out. You get all three shows here each and every week on lions of Liberty. Three shows for the price of one. That price is free. Just got to take a little slap on that subscribe button. Get all these shows delivered right to your device. What a wonderful thing. And if you would like to support us more, head over to patreon.com slash lionsofliberty or lionsofliberty.locals.com if you are among the Patreon adverse. You got all sorts of bonus audio and video content there. You could have seen this interview live with Stephan Kinsella. Uh, We also have bonus shows like Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, Do Nothing Man, which they actually got a a public preview of last week on the public feed. But that is typically uh, behind the paywall for the patrons. You get it all. For as little as five bucks a month, more if you like, because there are plenty other options sliding up that scale. But for as little as five bucks a month, you can give up a coffee. You can give up a beer to support your favorite podcast or this podcast, either one. One more thing I've got to mention. You got to come see me at Sayulita in Sayulita, Mexico, at the Sayulita Super Spreader being put on by our friend Johnny Burfita of Pedaling Fiction. This is going to be a freaking blast. Robbie the Fire Bernstein, Buck Johnson of CounterFlow, uh, Clint Russell of Liberty live Pod. We will all be doing live podcasts there. There will be a live podcast and a stand-up comedy set from Robbie the Fire. And guess who's opening from him? This guy right here. That's right. Mark Clare. Come check it out exclusively in Sayulita, Mexico. Head over to SayulitaSuperspreader.eventSmart.com. Get your tickets now. That's all I got, my friends. Until next week. Live love! and live free.